What's up? This is Wayne Lozanak from Hatebreed, and you're listening to Thunder Underground. Welcome to episode 310 of the Thunder Underground podcast. Trent and Jason here as always. This time, we can say, along with our third member of Hatebreed. Right, that's pretty cool. Yeah, very cool. Wayne Lozanak is here with us to talk about Hatebreed's brand new album, Way to the False Self, that came out in November. If you're new to us here, that was a part of our top 20 countdown here just a couple weeks ago from 2020. We considered it one of the top 20, well, top five albums, actually. Oh, yeah. Definitely look into that if you have not yet. But if you're here, I'm guessing you probably have at some point. But we'll get into all that with Wayne and several other things we want to talk about. But first, we got to let you know who we're sponsored by. And I say we start with hella hot hot sauce since that has a hate breed connection in it itself. Definitely. There's definitely a tie-in. Yep. Hella Hot Hot Sauce is a company located out of the San Francisco Bay Area. They make small batch artisan hot sauces. They've got a good selection that you can check out at hellahothotsauce.com. You can order stuff right there from wherever you're at. Or if you're on the West Coast, they sell them in a lot of stores out there in California. So check out that. I'm sure you can find the locations there on their website. They do collaborations, and they have done one with Ghoul called Brain Jerk, and they've done one with Frank from Hatebreed called Florida Frank's Florida Heat, and we've got some of that, and it's freaking hot. And in fact, yeah, it is. I ate some just two days ago. I put some on some white rice. I had some white rice with black beans and guacamole, and I just threw some of that in there, and I put in a little too much, even though I thought it wasn't. An, I thought this this would be at the right amount, but it was not the right amount. Uh. It hurt, then, but it still yeah, tasted good. But uh, it an amazing, <laughs> amazingly painful cherry red butthole later. <laughs> right? Yep. But you need to try it if you like hot sauce because it's got some great flavor and that's what matters. So check out hellahothotsauce.com and tell them we sent you. DEB Concerts, a promoter based right here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. They brought a ton of great shows to the downtown Tulsa area. Stuff like Saxon, Last in Line, Sebastian Bach, Warrant, Lita Ford, all kinds of great stuff. They also booked the Roadhouse stage at Rocklahoma every year, and they've brought some great acts out there as well, such as Ace Freely and Slaughter. And we'll be talking about that once the announcement's made for Rocklahoma this coming September. But until then, we need to let you know that the show we've been talking about for a couple months on April 10th with Queensryche. Lita Ford, The Bullet Boys, and Nita Strauss has, of course, been postponed, like everything else these days. And we got word from Doug to just mention that, hey, he keeps booking shows, but COVID keeps postponing them. So they'll keep trying, and eventually we'll get back to having shows. So follow debconcerts.com, or get on that website, debconcerts.com, and follow them on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram so you can be kept up to date on any of these reschedules from that show and any of the previous ones that got postponed as well. And we'll, of course, keep you up to date here as well. Also, we've got Sunset Tattoo, tattoo shop based in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Midtown Tulsa. Give them a call or shoot them a message to set up a time that you can get in there to talk to Jake or one of his crew members there, one of his other tattoo artists to talk about what work you want to have done 
They do great work. We know people personally that have had work done. And in fact, maybe here in an episode or two, you might get to hear from one of us about about that. You never know. You never know. But until then, get on Sunset Tattoo Tulsa Facebook page or at Sunset Tattoo on Instagram. You can see all the pictures of all their work. It's great. They do great work. Check out Sunset Tattoo Tulsa and tell them that we sent you. And finally, we've got Med Farm, a dispensary located in Broken Air, Oklahoma. 24683 is Tire 51. They're right off the highway. You can't miss them. All their selection, which is pretty large, is available to see right on leafly.com. <clears throat> if you shoot them a message via email or a text or give them a call, you can place your order ahead of time. And all you have to do is drive right through their drive through quick and easy. They also have specials that they're always running on their social medias. So follow them on Facebook, MedFarm. That's P-H-A-R-M. And Instagram is MedFarmOK. Their website's MedFarmOK.com. And if you mention Thunder Underground, they give you 10% off your first order, which is great. And what is really great is 30% of their proceeds are going to build no-kill animal shelters. Can't stress that enough that that's a great reason to get over there to support them because they're supporting animals that need help. Definitely worth your your drive because we know there's dispensaries all over the place. So there's a good reason to choose Med Farm. So get over there and tell them you heard about them here. Now that we got the, the sponsors done, you want to talk about first the Green Country <laughs> Irate. Yeah. All right. The Green Country Irate is brand new band that was recently announced and it features members of Machine in the Mountain Screaming Red Mutiny Blackwater Rebellion King Shifter what am I forgetting I know there's other stuff Murder's Mary yeah of course Crashing Cranes whichever yes. Mike Starkey's most recent project but yes we've got four amazing musicians that have come together here and in fact all four of them have been on this podcast Multiple times between them. Right. One of them, I think it might have been Sprout or Mike, posted a picture of the four of them together. Yeah. This was like a month or two ago before they announced it. It was the first picture they had posted and it just, it was just a picture of the four of them like hanging out and it said like something kind of vague. And then just in my head, I'm like, after looking at it, you know, thinking about it for a second, I'm like, oh, we've got a guitarist, a bassist, a drummer, and a singer. That'd go. be an amazing freaking band. Yeah, it would but be. it still didn't cross my mind that that's what was happening. Right. Until like a couple of days later, then more pictures started showing up. I'm like, oh, okay, I see what's happening now. And just from a personal standpoint, when it comes to bands on our local and regional level, I can't think of two better bands to combine than those two: Screaming Red Mutiny and Machine in the Mountain. Right. For a bombastic sound. Right. Least. When. When I started seeing the hashtags and stuff, I thought, man, that's really can't wait to hear that. And Sprout's playing guitar right. as well. Uh, I'm really interested to see what I'm really interested to see what uh, this band brings to the table. Yeah. Yeah, I know that someone <clears throat> asked in a comment on one of the posts about the sound, and I think it was Sprout that said it was going to be metal mixed with rock as well. So it might be one of those you know, bands that kind of cross that, you know, like your Seven Dust or your Alter Bridge, where they mm-hmm. kind of could fall in hard rock or metal. Right. But yeah, I'm really excited because Sheen in the Mountain never stopped praising 
those guys. Oh, definitely. And we know what Sprout and Mike Starkey are capable of, so really, really, really looking forward to hearing some music from these guys. But if you want to hear music from them before you can hear recorded music, you can see them live. And they're debuting here in February on the 13th at the Venue Shrine. There's going to be a benefit for John Wilson. And at this benefit, all the proceeds are going towards John Wilson. Right. And that's who who we got playing at this thing. Uh, we've got Blackthorn Elite, uh, the Green Country Irate, who we've been, who we've been talking about. Uh, Perseus, uh, Grind, and Heartbreak Cells. Uh, $10 at the door, uh, auction and raffle items, and like you said, it all goes to John. Uh, John Wilson is a big local Tulsa music scene fan. He's always at the shows. He's always supporting the bands. He supported you and I. Absolutely. Uh, you know, he, he, he would, he would bring me, he would bring me extra beer from his, his beer runs when he worked for a liquor distributor. Yeah. Uh, just cause, you know, he knew I was a fucking lush. <laughs> um, and you know, he, he's kind of had a bit of a, a downturn, you know, he's at the COVID and it's kind of one of the worst cases yeah, it was on, like on, a, on the, on the bad, real bad side. Uh, so like kind of a rare strain of it that, yes, he, you know, made he, things quite a bit worse than most people. And he, he's, uh, he's got a long road, uh, of recovery ahead of him. So whatever we can do to help him out, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I remember when he gave you that one time when he, I mean, I know he did several times, but he gave you like a box full of beers. Right. He said, Hey, and then later on said, Hey, could I, I didn't he ask if he could buy a Thunder Underground t-shirt and you're like, uh, I think we'll give you one. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 I'm like, uh, dude, you just gave me a whole box full of craft beer right. for free. I think I will fucking just give you one. You yeah. don't need to buy one, dude. <laughs> You know, so, uh, yeah, uh, and, and on top of that, he's just uh, a great guy, uh, super upbeat and super positive, and he looks fucking great for his age. Oh, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> that, that is one thing that we cannot forget. He is like the, uh, the George Hamilton of the Tulsa rock scene. <laughs> yeah. You know? So, yeah, I was surprised when I found out how old he was. I thought he was younger than me, and. <laughs> he's like so, Sammy Hagar over here. <laughs> he's going to be like seventy three and looking better than us at forty three. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so, anyways, uh, you know, we love you, John, and uh, the show's all for you. So it's going to be good stuff. Yeah, and like you said, absolutely. All the all my experiences hanging out with him, one of the nicest dudes you can hang out with. So. Definitely. Get out there and support this thing, Venue Shrine. Big shout out to Steve Murdoch for putting this thing together and of course Donnie Rich for always being a big Donnie Rich has always been a big supporter of benefits in the Tulsa scene. Right. Anytime that something like this comes together, whether it be from Steve or anyone else, Donnie Rich always offers up the venue and the the, the proceeds from the door and everything. So a huge shout out to the venue shrine and Steve Murdoch for putting this bad boy together and to all these bands that are participating. And if you can't get out there do it this way. If you're from anywhere else and you want to just help someone you might not know, there's a GoFundMe as well set up. And I'll put that in the comments on our on our Facebook post. So look for that there. All right. Is there anything else you want to shout out before we jump into the... I think, uh, I think I mean, that's it, really. Yeah, we didn't really have anything down, per se. I just didn't know if you had anything running through your head. Um, I don't. I don't think so. All right. 
Wow, I've been listening to a lot of Deep Purple lately. That's cool. And that's kind of should we? That's kind of your your fault. So, <laughs> well, I'm. You're welcome. Right. <laughs> right. I'm not going to say I'm sorry for that being my phone. <laughs> it's a good thing. It's yeah. a definitely a good thing. I've been listening to a lot of uh, the Cult. And that's just the last well, two or three days. You had it all when you rolled yeah. up. So, and I was sticking kindly to the mainly to the. The B-sides and all the, the non-album stuff. I see. And then I got into the Beyond Good or Evil today, but anyway, that's just some random note there. Right, right. Do we want to go into Deep Purple thing, or want to save that for the, the final talk on our next episode? Oh, no, yeah, we could probably save that, because that kind of ties in. plays into that? Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, Wayne is here, and like we mentioned up front, we've had two members previously from him, and actually... Matt Byrne was on here, episode 196, when Hatebreed came to Tulsa in 2018, I believe it was. Yes. Or was it 2019? I think it was 2018 now. It was when they were on tour with Gore. We got to sit down with Matt Byrne for a cool talk, and then flash forward to 2020 and the pandemic. Just about a month or so before the album was supposed to come out in May, Florida Frank joined us to talk about all that great stuff, and a ton more. And then here we recorded this one with Wayne right before the album was released, at the end of November. So this was, uh, we're on about a month and a half ago. (laughs) But some cool stuff here from Wayne, talking about the album, talking about solos. From On your side, on a personal standpoint, you got to talk to a guitarist from a band you love about the guitarist from your favorite band. (laughs) <laughs> whenever right. he kind of jumped into some Kirk Hammett stuff there for a minute. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was great. I mean, and, and that's, that's one of the reasons, you know, I, I, you know, I love Haybreed so much is, you know, yeah, they, they've got that, they've got that East coast hardcore thing going on, but they'll also throw in some, some thrash and they'll throw in some solos. Yeah. Uh, it's really just the best of both worlds. I think we get that from Wayne. You know, as as he kind of talked about, you know, he's a thrash guy right. himself. And I'm sure they all they all are at some point. You know, you can hear that from on for the Lions. They've all, you know, they're all big Slayer fans as well. That kind of thing. But definitely doesn't need to be stated probably because we've said it and everybody knows it. If you listen to metal, but Hatebreed is kind of like the they've got a. I mean, what they're the biggest hardcore band of all time, probably right? I think so. Just as far as a. As far as name and draw and yeah. sales and all that. And they're the the bridge band, you know, for guys like us who yeah. were, you know, deep into mm-hmm. metal years before we were hardcore. Oh, yeah. You know, and a lot of guys, it's the other way around. <clears throat> they're in hardcore and then there's someone that comes along that gets them into metal. Yeah. And, you know, Hatebreed was that bridge band for us. And I know they were for probably thousands, hundreds of thousands of other dudes. Oh, yeah. If, if it wasn't for Hatebreed, I never would have. You know, got into Agnostic Front or Ringworm or Terror. Madball. Madball. I mean, that w- that wouldn't have happened. Cro-Mags. So, I mean, that's... That, Can you that's imagine totally... a life where you didn't know Vinny Stigma was? Uh, yeah, it's <laughs> it's a sad existence. It really is. <laughs> and I'm not one of those guys, like, I've been down with AF since, you know, the start. Yeah. I'm not going to... I'm not going to... I'm not going to bullshit, you know. You should be, um, bro. i got an AF tattoo on my back right now. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I've been a 
a metalhead all my life. And also, you know, I go through all these strange fucking periods where I want to hear metal with singing or I don't want to hear metal with singing. I just want to hear guttural vocals or I just want to listen to hair metal or I just want to listen to old country. And, you know, for so many years, you know, this shit has just, you know, passed me by. And so in the last 10 years or so, it's really opened up in that kind of area. And it's all, and it's, I'd say 99% because of hate breed. Yeah. Yeah. I'd absolutely echo everything you just said. Right. Right. Yeah. And they're unbelievable live. And and it's to the point now where I got to a point one day where I listened to every agnostic front record in the span of a day. Wow. So that's how much I love that band now. Yeah. And you're buying cassette tapes from him. Right. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, come on. Can't go wrong. Anyways. (laughs) And, you know, we've mentioned it a couple times here, but can't stress enough. Support bands like this. Weight of the False Self is out now. And we're not just saying this because Wayne is on our podcast. You know, listen to our best of 2020 episode from a couple few weeks ago. Episode 307. Or listen to, we did a YouTube review of Weight of the False Self. Like, I believe, and I think Jason agrees, this is their best album in the last several albums. Oh, yeah. I think so. And it's just... I mean, I don't dislike anything they've ever put out, but this would just hit on another level to me, and I know you've said the same thing. Yeah. So definitely check out Way to the False Self. It's out everywhere. And let's get into this. Here's Wayne Lozenak from Hate Breed. Yes, finally. We actually uh, went in the studio in November is when we last November we started pre-production. And then uh, basically the record's been done since January. So we've been sitting on it this whole time waiting for it to come out. So I'm glad it's finally coming out now. Yeah, having to sit on that for a whole for I mean, almost a year. That's got to be crazy. Yeah, it's oh man. I, we're, we got we were lucky enough to get one single out. It's uh, on Valentine's Day, right before the pandemic, and that one's not even on the album. It's called "When the Blade Drops," but it was some. It was from the same recording session, so at least we got something out before the you know everything just shut down. Is it? I mean, was it kind of frustrating to have to sit on that, or is it just kind of one of those things where it's like, well, this is what everybody's doing, so we just got to. Uh, well, I was I was like really. I'm really happy with the, the finished product. So I was kind of waiting and waiting for other people to hear it instead of, you know, like kind of like keeping it a secret for so long, you know? So it was kind of rough. This hit, it hit me personally, you know, and just the way that it hadn't hit me. It's like maybe, maybe it was meant to, at the end of this year when everything's been going on just so crazy. But uh, it just seems like, um, I don't know. It seems like a, a a sigh of relief almost after this year. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, what we're supposed to—we actually our whole tour schedule was canceled this year. We were supposed to go go on a whole world tour with Parkway Drive 
the whole thing got canceled and uh, it's supposed to be rescheduled for next year, but who knows if next year is even going to happen. We're scheduled to start in March or April, but it's not looking good right now. Well, how, when was your last guys? Your guys' last show was like last fall, right? It was last October, wow. actually. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the longest we've ever gone ever since the band started without playing. I mean, I was going to save this question for later, but like, kind of, how did you how did you deal with that throughout the throughout the year? Like, when you'd normally be playing shows all summer, and now you've got like kind of oh, time on your hands. Yeah, it's it's rough, especially for me. Like, that's you know. I've been playing for so long, but also when I'm home, I'm, I'm even the kind the person that goes to the shows to go see bands play live, you know, like as a fan. And I'll even go like to the local bars, see like the local cover bands playing. So it's been like a complete like turnaround for me, but you know, you just got to kind of keep hoping that, uh, other, you know, everything's going to get back to normal next year. Another thing, you know, from this album, I mean, you could say this about any Haybury album is that the lyrics, you know, always have a positive outlook about them. Like, how important do you think music like this is needed during a time like this that we're going through? No, oh, I think it's I think it's very important, especially for us. Like, you know, we'll do meet and greets and people come up to us and tell us how a certain song got them through really hard times. And like some people even say, like, you know, save their lives and, you know, stuff like that. So to be able to make this heavy aggressive music so you know people could get out there in the pit and get their aggressions out but with a positive message behind it just to i think it's it's very important it's very you know gratifying for us too when the when the people are it really does something positive for them too you know shifting just a little bit um you know this album has some great solos on it like clean the life and stroke of red um talk talk about knowing when when a Haybreed song needs a solo as opposed to not needing one and why it fits in a certain place. Right. Yeah. I was, I was, you know, we're not really known for solo. So anytime I get the chance to play a guitar solo, I'm happy. And that's <laughs> actually, that's a, that's actually a Jamie call. He'll like, he'll have the songs, you know, certain songs are just structured out and him and our, our producer Zeus will discuss certain things and that they might just be like, I think we need a solo there. And then we'll like, all right, we'll save this, you know, this little part here, you know, have Wayne put a solo in there. And then so then the Cling the Life one, I was really happy about because it was like longer than normal, like normal time that I normally have to do it. So I kind of, you know, starting out melodic and then kind of, I guess, ending up a little faster at the end. So I was like, I was happy about that one. And I think I think that one definitely took the song to a whole nother level as opposed to if it wasn't there at all. I think that one's definitely the most noticeable one on the album. Right, right. Are, are, are they are they kind of mapped out, or you just kind of just fly and do it spontaneously one thing? Uh, I, 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 at first, like during pre-production, I'll kind of just do something, just a basic, I, like a, kind of like a place filler, I guess, on the spot, and then I'll go home and just try different stuff and play a bunch of different stuff till I finally come up with what I feel is fits the song the best. And then I come back to the studio and then play it. And then I get the, get the approval, hopefully from uh, the producer and, you know, the rest of the guys. Right. Right. Well, staying on the solo thing. I mean, is, is a guitar player, who, who are your guys, you know, who, who, uh, who'd you look up to and who, who uh, inspired you, you know, in the solo kind of realm? I'd say uh, probably my two biggest inspirations 
back when I was a kid, when I was first actually learning how to play and not just banging on the guitar, not knowing what I was doing, <laughs> would be uh, Randy Rhodes and Kirk Hammett. So those are those are probably my two main influences. I mean, I love all the '80s metal guys. That's what I grew up on as a kid. But I think those two are probably what I sat in my bedroom trying to learn their solos, you know, all day long, just as a kid. So I'd say those two. You know, Metallica's one of the biggest bands in the world, but I don't know. You don't hear Kirk Hammett talked about as a guitar hero as much as I don't know. I think he should be. Yeah, that's I don't understand. I see a lot of stuff now where people like, you know, people commenting on the Internet saying how he's not that good and everything. And it's like it's it's insane. It's like if you go back and listen to Ride the Lightning and Master of Puppets and some of those solos can be their own songs within right. the, the song itself. So people are just people are nuts. I don't, I don't understand what some people are thinking, but <laughs> I like I like his solos a lot. Everyone always just kind of made fun of the wah thing, and I'm like, well, yeah, he uses some wah, but I mean, he he's a fucking player, man. Yeah, and he doesn't even use it that much. I mean, there's there's song, yeah, he has a lot of songs with it, but there's when you have a solo and almost every song on every album except for I think one album, and you have some wah here and there. It's not like <laughs> I think that those people only listen to like Enter Sandman or something, and they yeah. just go make comments. They don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> As far as hardcore music goes, I mean, guitar solos aren't really a thing, but Hate Breed's obviously one of those kind of crossover bands. Like, right. was the was it always been like your intention as the guitarist to like push for that, or was it early on? Was like uh, you said, was it Jamie that kind of brought uh, that into the realm? I'd say early on, I wasn't even like I kind of got out of the playing guitar. So, like I, you know, grew up in the '80s listening to metal, and then in the '90s, I got more into hardcore and punk, and I kind of got away from the, I guess, guitar hero kind of stuff, and it was just basic aggression and just straightforward hardcore. So I didn't even want to play. I didn't even play solos for like a long time. And then, you know, I, I obviously I left the band for a long time and came back. So it was when I came back, Jamie, knowing that I was the kind of player that does play solos and stuff like that. When I, I actually got back more into metal, I guess in the early two thousands again. And then he just, it was his idea for, to try something new and, you know, change it up a bit, which I was, wasn't sure if we were going to do that or not, but I, it's cool. It's worked so far. Just a few here and there. We don't obviously don't have a ton of solos, but right. Kind of speaking on that same thing. I mean, Hatebreed was kind of the bridge band for both of us to get into other hardcore bands way back. Like, who was? What was the first kind of hardcore bands that you listened to early on? Uh, early on, like the first hardcore band I ever got into, and the first hardcore show I went to was Murphy's Law. So it kind of started from there, and then there was, there was like sick of it all and token entry. My friend recorded me a, like up tape in high in uh in high school and started going to random shows here and there, and it was like leeway. And then you know Biohazard was a huge influence on me in high school. They kind of had that crossover appeal, and they kind of took it to the next level too. And then like Agnostic Front and the Chromags and Madball, Warzone, all those type of bands. Youth of today. Yeah, it's funny, like, growing up, you know, I was always just like a metal and hard rock guy, and I always knew who Agnostic Front, Madball, and Sick of It All was, but I never really listened to him until I got in hate breeds, so. Yeah, was... that's, yeah, that's, I think that, I think Biohazard kind of did that for a lot of people early on, where they bridged the hardcore and metal scenes together, because you'd go to their shows, and you'd see, you'd see the mixed crowds, and they would play with hard local hardcore bands, and like Marauder, I saw them with way back in the day, and then, but then they'd go, and play with like Pantera and Slayer. So 
I think Hatebreed's almost like a continuation of what they were doing, except without the they had like more of a hip hop influence to them right. than we do. Another staple of Hatebreed is you boys guys have always had great riffs. Like, how do you feel you and Frank complement each other in that department? Just uh, actually, Jamie and Chris actually write most of the riffs, and then we kind of come into the studio and all together kind of collaborate and like put them together. So it's both it's mostly their ideas for for most of the stuff, and then we put it together. And me and Frank, it's more of a live thing. Like I play more of the, you know, the main riffs, and then he does the most of the accents and kind of fills out the sound. We had Frank on here before, and we've had Matt on as well. And we've asked, okay. we've asked both of them this question, which you've probably been asked before yourself. But if there was a for the Lions two, is there anything that you would definitely want to see included on it? Oh man, there's there's so many. Uh, I mean, I've I actually that's when I joined the band, so I only played four of those songs. Okay. So I would like play. I might go back and play some of the ones. Like uh, I didn't play on the Metallica one, so I definitely would want to do a Metallica song, because uh, I I played the Slayer, Slayer, Suicidal Tendencies, Bad Brains, and Black Flag, which were great great combination of uh, hardcore and metal. But I, I think I would definitely want to do a Metallica song, and then I would be it'd be cool to do an Ozzy song too if if we could. I'm not sure how the vocals would sound with <laughs> Jamie yell, yelling Ozzy songs, but I think that would be cool to do some kind of interpretation of that. Well, I don't know with some of that Josta solo stuff. He's yeah, got, he's there you go. It's, it's close. It's closer to that stuff. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Pull, pull out, <laughs> pull out like a deep cut. You got to do a deep cut on that. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Maybe uh, uh, waiting for darkness would be a good one. That's, right. I think that one's very underrated. Right. right. If, if you know that Ozzy song. Well, you mentioned doing Metallica and you mentioned some of their eighties albums earlier. Like what's your, can you name your favorite Metallica song? Oof, no, there's there's too many. Yeah. I, I it definitely something off of Master of Puppets. Yeah, Master of Puppets and then Ride the Lightning. Those two albums I think are just classic, unbelievable albums. Yeah, yeah. Master of Puppets is in the Smithsonian for a reason, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's to think how I, I can't believe how big they got from back then because back then you would have never thought you know the guys wearing jeans and t-shirts yelling and playing this fast music would be bigger than all the 80s like glam bands that were selling out arenas back then so it's kind of amazing to see where they went to and still going yeah outside of the music realm like this year during the pandemic have you spent your personal time uh well actually i don't know if you know we've actually came out with our own beer so we actually we had something come out during the pandemic at least so that we've been doing we were working on that doing stuff with that. And then uh, we actually had a couple socially distanced events where it was kind of like a beer tasting slash meet and greet kind of thing locally at the local brewery in uh, Southington, Connecticut. But other than that, I haven't doing much except maybe riding my motorcycle. I got more of a chance to do that since I'm actually home and it's, it's, it's away from people. So you don't have to be in contact during that. Exactly. Well, you know, the breed brew was, one of our next questions and just kind of talk about how that came about and like how much really you guys are involved with that. It was actually, that was uh Chris Beatty got in contact with the brewery cause he lives kind of in the area with them and asked if they wanted to do a collaboration. And they said, yeah, sure. And then we discussed like 
what type of beer we wanted. Not too heavy, not like a an IPA, strong IPA, something that's like drinkable, you know, because we're mostly like Coors Light, Budweiser kind of drinkers. Right. Maybe maybe the, maybe the occasional craft beer here and there are some of the other guys, but mostly something we want to be able to drink a lot of. So we came up with the flavor. We, we you know they we tried out some things, samples, and it tasted good. And then uh, we were actually me. Me, Beatty, and Matt were up there, and we did some of the canning. We got the artwork with the cans on it, and we put it in the machine and actually did it ourselves. So that was pretty cool. And it's, it's available only in Connecticut now, but we're working on getting it so we can ship it everywhere. So that should be coming soon. Good, good. Uh, we're in Oklahoma, so hopefully it will show up soon. <laughs> oh, there you go. Cool. Is that, like, is it still going to, when you can ship it, you think, is it still going to be a limited thing, or is it? Are you guys planning to have this like around as a permanent thing? Uh, I mean, if if I I would like to have it permanent if it, if it works. I think it all depends on you know as a business. I guess if people are buying it. I guess if no one's buying it, then <laughs> I don't know. But right. hopefully, people will buy it and we could just keep it going. Yeah. Especially well, you know, now we can't tour or anything, so it's, it's at least it's something. Well, you mentioned like those like the was it the virtual meet and greet thing you guys did. Yeah, I mean, you guys have always been a, a big, you know, meet and greet band. So, like, looking yeah. at the future, like, in the next year or two when you could start touring again, do you think that'll change completely? Or, like, have you thought about that? Uh, yeah, that's that's a – I think it's just not going to be so much a con, physical contact, I guess you could say. But that's all – I guess it all depends on the vaccines and what's what happens and everything. That's – it's hard to really say. I, I I hope everything could just get back to normal, but it's not looking too promising at the moment. Yeah, you'd have to have like records of vaccines, and then how how, how much do you really want to go through all that? And, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, because you get some. I mean, we went to a meet and greet several years ago and saw a couple of overzealous fans like jumping on Jamie or you know. A few oh guys, yeah, so. yeah. We've, we've got. <laughs> You know, there's tons of that stuff, yeah. definitely. <laughs> and then, like, even just moshing and stuff. Like, I don't know how that's going to happen. Right. If you're supposed to stay away from people, it's you know, our shows are not going to be the same if we can't do that. That's part of the whole experience is the crowd, the you know, the aggression of the crowd and feeding off the band and the connection and everything. So we're not the type of band where you just sit in your seat and stare at us. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 It's yeah kind I, of like, I mean, you don't really see live streams from a lot of hardcore bands because it's kind of right. not, the energy's not there, you know? That's what we're thinking. Like it's it's a possibility and I I would be open to do it if if that's all we have, but it's definitely not the same. Right. Cool man. We'll really love the new album and really looking forward to this coming out and thank you for joining us. Cool. Thanks guys. There you go, Wayne Lozenak of Hate Breed. A huge thank you to Tim of Adam Splitter PR for his continued support of our podcast. And of course, a massive thanks to Wayne for taking some time out there to give us a call and talk about everything Hatebreed's got going on with Weight of the False Self and some other stuff there as well. Very fun. Like we've mentioned up front, he's the third member of Hatebreed to be on this podcast. So check out episode 260 with Florida Frank and episode 196 with Matt Byrne. And like we mentioned, I don't know, a couple months ago, probably right after we did that. Wayne, if you're listening, let Chris and Jamie know that 
They're on the fucking clock. Right. We're coming for them. We need to complete, <laughs> we need to complete a band, you know? Have we done that yet? As far as national acts go, like this, I don't think so. Well, Kicks was, they all kind of chimed in, right? Yeah, I guess. But that would be. Or you mean like a one by one thing? Yeah. Like, or know? just like if they're the <laughs> intended guests. But I guess Kicks is, that's a good point. Yeah. Because they all chimed in and even, even the, uh, Crowbar, when we did that one, they all chimed in. Right, right, yeah, yeah, Well, except yeah. for Todd, but... Yeah. Well, he had left at that point. No, that he was... guy was there, right? No, he was... Or he uh, had just came back. Yeah, he had just came back, and we got in there, and he gave us all dirty look and closed his curtain of his bunk. Oh, that's right. <laughs> so, I, don't, I, I don't know. But we we did get some love from Matt and... Uh, Tommy. Tommy. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so... And hey, that's a good segue into this. If you're a hate bead... Hate bead... <laughs> if you're a hate breed fan and you want to check out those other two episodes we just talked about, we've also had some other ones you might want to check out. Kirk Winstein, you know, he, he's been in a band with one Jamie Josta right. called Kingdom of Sorrow, and he's been on here twice. We've also had Jimmy Bauer from Down and I Hate God and Superjoint. We've had on Steven Taylor from Superjoint and... Phil and Selmo and the Illegals. We've had on guys from Seven Dust, Death Angel, Testament, Megadeth, Kiss, Hell, Heavy, you know, The Black Dahlia Murder, Right, Devil Driver, Helmet, Typo Negative, Life of Agony, a long ass list that also includes. You like glam metal? There's a ton of those in there as well. So. Man, think about every band. Most of them, we've had at least one person from them on here. Yeah, from that era now. Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean it's it's been enough where I can you can, safely you can say almost that. say that. Yeah, I can feel confident in saying think of a band and you know Except probably for Poison and Bon Jovi. I think we've hit yeah. almost. I mean, we've had Def Leppard members, we've had Guns and Roses members, we've had Motley Crue members now. So right, right, right. Check it all out. HeatTheUnderground.com. All our socials are on there as well. So follow us or like us wherever you pay attention to stuff. Wherever you listen to podcasts, do the same thing. Subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. The Thunder Underground is our handle on YouTube, so subscribe there as well. Like I mentioned, we had a Hate Breed review for the new album. We've had reviews from stuff from Metallica and August Burns Red, Napalm Death, Saul. Quite a few bit of bands over this past year, so check all that stuff out as well. All right. I think that covers us for another one. So, once again, huge thank you to Adam Splitter PR, Wayne from Hatebreed, Hell Hot Hot Sauce, Med Farm, DEB Concerts, and Sunset Tattoo. And until next time. Thunder Underground, y'all.